This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. there. The year 1983 still has some holdover from the 1970s, but the decade is starting to define itself. The beginning of each decade is as much a part of the previous decade. It's around the midway point that it starts to establish itself. In this look back at the year 1983, we are seeing some of those things that define the 80s, but we're not quite yet into the era of yuppies, leg warmers, and Walkmans just yet. This will be a look at the definitive pop culture moments that represent the year 1983. And I've already covered 1980, 81, and 82 if you want to go back and check out those episodes. Okay, here we go. We can't ignore all the significant world events that happened in 1983, so here's a quick rundown on some of those more important moments. Ronald Reagan, we'll see him again in a moment, started his strategic defense initiative that many would dub Star Wars. Richard Noble sets a land speed record at 633.468 miles per hour. The space shuttle Challenger is launched on its maiden flight. The first person to receive an artificial heart dies after 112 days. Swatch introduces their iconic swatches. I had one. I loved it. The very first spacewalk took place. Great Britain releases the pound coin. Cats wins best musical at the Tonys and would never have any other problems in pop culture ever again. Milk was $1.35 a gallon. Monthly rent was $335 and a gallon of gas was 96 cents. So let's look at at the growth, the early growth of Saturday morning cartoons. I haven't covered this as much in the previous reviews, but Saturday morning cartoons have really come into their own by 1983. The Deregulation Act put forth by Ronald Reagan was responsible for opening up the floodgates for new content. I've covered this a lot on the show before, but the key takeaway is that all the restrictions that cartoons faced, especially when it came to advertising to kids, had been lifted at this point in the 80s. Therefore, there is a tidal wave of new cartoons, toys, cereals, and junk food all directed at kids. Licensed characters went up by 300% and we as kids reap the rewards of all this greed. I recommend going back and listening to my uh, podcast about Saturday morning cartoons and the demise of them and deregulation and Ronald Reagan, all that stuff, if you really want to get a good deep insight into this whole thing. But basically, Saturday morning cartoons started out in the 60s and 70s to rerun old primetime cartoons like the Flintstones. 
Eventually, the networks realized that Saturday mornings were hallowed ground for getting the attention of kids. There were no distractions, different school schedules for after-school cartoons, and they could cover both East and West Coast time zones. Here are just some of the big cartoons that debuted in 1983 and got the ball rolling for what was quickly becoming a Saturday morning institution. And I'll mention some of these ones I've done entire shows on. So in 1983, we got He-Man and the Mass. Masters of the Universe, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Charlie Brown and Snoopy Show, for my friends in the UK, Banana Man, I've done a show about that, Dungeons and Dragons, Inspector Gadget, did a show about that, one on the Littles, Mr. T, Rubik the Amazing Cube, which I have a show all about, and the Saturday Supercade. Let's look at some notable movies from 1983. We are well underway into the classic movies of the 80s by 83. Each year is giving us some of the most iconic movies ever. What we should point out is how the juggernaut of 1982, E.T., was still making money when it was re-released in 1983. It even finished in the top 20. Here's a look at some of the notable movies from 1983, and we have to start with what I believe is the one that best represents the year. The iconic trilogy has now ended. We see the full journey of Luke and Anakin Skywalker meet the Ewoks and see the Death Star blown up for a second time. The last installment of the Star Wars series in The Return of the Jedi was super exciting and the technology had advanced so far that the action scenes were even more impressive. Then, for years, people would wonder if there would be any more Star Wars. The word is that George Lucas had intended to make some prequels, but as the years went on, it didn't seem likely. Well, we all know how that turned out, but Return of the Jedi was the perfect culmination of the most important movie franchise of all time. Return of the Jedi was hands down the biggest movie of 1983 and made over $250 million. Converted for today, that's nearly $700 million, and it's important to note it only played on 1,700 screens. That's about a third of what like a MCU movie would appear on. The next movie I think that's significant is War Games. This was such a perfect idea for a movie. It captured the essence of the Cold War and mixed it together with the immense popularity of video games. It also created a premise that Ernest Klein would use heavily in the phenomenal Ready Player One book. The thing is, despite being a bit of a niche, geeky-style movie, it was still a hit. War Games came out on June 3rd and finished as the fifth highest-grossing film of the year, and it only played on around 900 screens. War Games was more successful financially than some other big films of that year, including Octopussy, Risky Business, and National Lampoon's Vacation. So, speaking of those films, here's a look at some other notable movies from 1983. Flashdance, Tootsie, Superman 3, The Dark Crystal, Scarface, A Christmas Story, Airplane 2, and Strange Brew. How's that for a random assortment? Looking back at that year's Oscars, the big winner was Gandhi. Here's a look at some of the other top awards. Best Picture, Gandhi. Best Actor, Ben Kingsley for Gandhi. Best Actress, Meryl Streep for Sophie's Choice. Best Director, Richard Attenborough for Gandhi. 
let's take a look at the best music of 1983. Even though it came out in 1982, 1983 continued to be about Thriller. This album was so huge that it still dominated sales a year later. For the year in Billboard charts, both Billie Jean and Beat It were still in the top 10 for the year. Billie Jean managed to come in as the second biggest single of the year. This album is huge is what I'm trying to say. It was so big, it was the best-selling album for almost half the year. For 23 weeks spread over the year, Thriller was tops. But looking back at the top songs, number one was Every Breath You Take by The Police. The top five were made up of Flashdance, What a Feeling, uh, at number three, and Down Under by Men at Work at number four. 1983 is interesting as when you look at the top charting songs, we've got away from any disco related songs and even a lot of hard and classic rock bands like the Culture Club and the Eurythmics are starting to make a splash. We're right into that synth pop sound that began to define the decade. Since everyone was trying to play second fiddle to Thriller, here are the other best selling albums of 1983. Business as Usual by Men at Work, Flash Dance, the soundtrack, Synchronicity by The Police, Metal Health by Quiet Riot, and Can't Slow Down by Lionel Richie. So before we move on to the huge advancements in technology, let's take a quick break. 1983 is a huge year for technology. It's growing at a fast rate and some very significant advancements were made this year. 1983 also gave us the first mobile phone. It was about the size of a car battery and basically ran on one too. Here are a look at a few of the notable advancements in 1983. The first would be the birth of the internet, and I'm using birth in quotation marks. Even though it would be an evolving thing, 1983 can technically be the year that gave birth to the internet. The actual creation by Tim Berners-Lee goes back a few more years, and it is far from the internet as we know it. But this year is significant. 1983 is when things were switched from the ARPANET, which was a smaller network of computers linked together, to Internet Protocol, or IP. This is what would allow for the creation of IP addresses. This allows for the transfer of data between devices on a network. It's a relatively simple concept that is the essence of what would become the World Wide Web. You see the evolution of this today with HTTP or HTTPS, which is Hypertext Transfer Protocol or Hypertext Transfer Protocol Secure. And it is what allows for secure communication between computers. The hypertext of Hypertext Transfer Protocol allowed clickable links to be shared. It's not there yet, but basically this created the process that took the internet from a small group of users to eventually being accessible to everyone. And I did a four-part series on the origins of the internet and how it developed into companies like Netscape and AOL and into streaming and stuff. If you want to go back, it's, it's, a, it's a good look and a good sort of crash course at everything that evolved with the internet. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Number two, the release of the CD player in North America. The creation of the compact disc actually goes back to the late 60s. They patented it in the 1970s, and like its big brother, Laserdisc, it contained digital information. The first commercially available CD player came out in Japan in 1982, but wouldn't reach the rest of the world until 1983. At first, there weren't a lot of discs available. CBS Records only put out 16 titles. People weren't sure exactly what a CD was, and initially, there wasn't a demand for them. It's hard to convince people to replace their records, eight tracks, and then cassette tapes with yet another audio format. But then people heard one. The quality, the audio quality of a CD blew people away. It would still take more than a year for people to get on board with a CD player because these things were not cheap. The first players cost a whopping $1,000. Adjusted for inflation, that's around $2,700. Companies knew this was the future, as did the consumers, and it was pointed out in an article from 1985 in the New York Times. With all this CD awareness, as they called it, Sony released a cheaper version during Christmas of 1984. That player would only cost $299, and other companies had to get on board. It wouldn't be long until everyone had their own CD player. Let's look at the notable video games of 1983. He wasn't quite here yet, but 1983 would be the year that launched Super Mario. This year is also significant because it started the beginning of the great video game crash. I've covered this topic much more in depth if you want to go back and listen to my episode where it began with the E.T. Atari video game. It's not that it's the worst video game ever, but it's pretty close. At the very least, it was the most disappointing video game ever. And at this point, people had had enough with the inferior games being released by Atari. The game was returned in droves and the company began to spiral. The downfall was so swift that the what was once a billion dollar industry was only worth a few hundred million seemingly overnight. Big toy companies who had begun to get on board with video games such as Hasbro Mattel pulled out and wanted nothing to do with them. A century-old company from Japan would revolutionize the video game industry in a few years, but they weren't in North America just yet. What they had created was an arcade game called Mario Brothers. This started as a spin-off from the Donkey Kong game, and the game involved plumbing brothers Mario and Luigi exterminating creatures from a sewer. Nintendo did not know what they had on their hands, but they would find out in a few short years. Because of the turmoil facing the entire industry, 1983 wasn't exactly the greatest ever year for video games. Arcade games were, of course, still popular, and here are some of the notable games from 83. Pole Position, The Quarter Eating, Dragon's Lair, 
Miss Pac-Man, Pitfall, and still going strong on Atari were Frogger, Donkey Kong, Berserk, Defender, and Pac-Man. So let's look at the most important TV shows of 1983. And 83 is a huge year for TV. Might be one of the biggest of the 80s, and maybe of all time. But this year is all about one of the most important series finales ever, and one of the most watched shows in history. I can't wrap my head around this, but 105.9 million people tuned in to watch the series finale of MASH. This would be the most watched TV show in history for an incredible 17 years until the Super Bowl in 2010. Were that many people that big a fan of MASH? As a young kid, this wasn't in my personal wheelhouse, but it always seemed like it had a specific audience, and I just never could understand how it was the biggest TV event of all time when I was a kid. I assumed there was so much hype and word of mouth that everyone felt like they had to watch it. Also, this was the 80s, and with only three networks, there were very few options for entertainment. Let's look at a couple shows that maybe were more in the wheelhouse of young kids in the 80s. This is also one of the defining TV moments of 1983. Fraggle Rock, if you can believe it's that old, launched on a fledgling new cable channel called HBO. Fraggle Rock played an instrumental part in the early days of the home box office, or HBO, and helped get it on the map. Fraggle Rock was one of Jim Henson's greatest creations, and it was all about showing how different people are capable of living together in harmony. I loved Fraggle Rock. There was something so magical about it. It combined elements we loved about the Muppets, but shrunk things down. And what kid doesn't like miniature worlds? There was also a human performer in Doc and his dog Sprocket. My favorite part of Fraggle Rock was waiting to see the postcards from Uncle Traveling Matt and how he would navigate in the human world. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. One of the great loves of my childhood. Four Vietnam vets framed for a crime they didn't commit. Help the innocent while on the run from the military. If you can find them, that is. The A-Team debuted on January 23rd, 1983. But that was more of a pilot. I don't remember this, but the first regular A-Team episode debuted after the Super Bowl on January 30th. 
They weren't expecting it to be a hit, but it was. The A-Team was all about action, but it was great for kids because it wasn't too violent. The violence was much more cartoony, and of course it made a star out of Lawrence Terode, aka Mr. T. The A-Team would run for five glory seasons on on NBC, and for the first three seasons, nearly 25% of all viewing households were watching. It would regularly be in the top 10 highest rated shows. The A-Team, to me, remains one of the all-time perfect shows. Let's look at some of the other notable shows that debuted in 1983. We covered some of those great cartoons. This is what else came out that year. Mama's Family, Wheel of Fortune, mentioned Inspector Gadget, but Reading Rainbow, The Joy of Painting, Webster, Dungeons and Dragons, and Star Search. See what I mean about 1983 being one of the best years for TV in the decade, and maybe ever. Let's look at the top 10 highest rated shows of 83 and their ratings. So during this time, CBS continues to dominate the early part of the decade, and they have seven different shows in the top 10. To get an idea how huge these ratings were, keep in mind that some of the top-rated shows today get around 5 to 6 million viewers, if they're lucky. Okay, number one, still going strong, Dallas, averaging 25.7 million. Number two, 60 Minutes with 24.2 million. Then it's... Also, this weird reruns of Dallas that comes in at number three. Number four, though, is the A-Team with 24 million people average. Number five, Simon and Simon with 23.8 million. Number six, Magnum PI with 22.4 million. Number seven, Falcon Crest, 22 million. Number eight, Kate and Alley, 21.9. Number nine, I'll admit I do not remember the show at all, but it's Hotel, 21.1 million. Number 10 was Cagney and Lacey, 20.9 million. So let's finish with the major sporting events of 1983. I wouldn't call 83 a standout year for sports. You may see it differently depending on where you lived and your city's success. We're coming off the Winter Olympics of 1980 and the World Cup of 1982, so things are a tad quieter in 83. Let's look at the big winners in team and individual sports. The Masters was won by Steve Ballesteros. Wimbledon was won by John McEnroe and Martina Navratilova. The British Open won by Tom Watson. Marvin Hagler defeats uh, Roberto Duran to keep his unified middleweight title. Laurent Fignon wins the Tour de France. And Sonny's Halo wins the Kentucky Derby. 1983 is where we begin to see the continued domination of Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL. Gretzky, the league MVP, and the scoring title uh, were won that year, and it's also where he broke the 200-point mark. But the Oilers still couldn't take down the defending Stanley Cup champions, the New York Islanders. But this would be the last time the Islanders would ever win it, and the Edmonton era would soon begin. To finish the big four North American sports, Washington won the Super Bowl, the Baltimore Orioles won the World Series, and the Philadelphia 76ers won the NBA championship. So let's start wrapping it up here. Like I said, this was a big year, and I didn't realize how significant it was, especially when it came to pop culture. But to me, it's the advancements in technology that also make it so significant. Several several inventions are happening that would have a profound effect on all of our lives. Again, from a pop culture standpoint, it's a huge year. The notable TV shows and cartoons are also having a major impact on society and kids. So right now, 1983 cements itself as a defining year of the decade. But things are about to reach a whole new level 
1984. So we'll finish it there. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this. As we wrap it up, I just want to talk quick. If you're in a position to do so, you can consider supporting the show on patreon.com. And that is a platform to help smaller independent shows like this stand out in this like giant podcast world against celebrities, corporations, huge podcast networks. So for like just a few bucks a month, you are able to support this show, but then you get different audio rewards. So example, the Boba Fett level is where you get access to the Everything 80s Movie Club. And I will be releasing a new movie review coming up sometime in the next week or two. I'll give you a hint, Santa Carla. That's it. Okay. So if you want to learn more, just go to patreon.com slash 80. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash 80S. And you can learn all about that there. Okay. That's it for me. Thanks for listening. I will be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.